Coming up. The defense lawyer's job is to put the state to its proof. Defending the guilty. The prosecutor is supposed to seek justice, not victory. Suing the faultless. Legal ethics, an oxymoron? The code of legal ethics, I mean, it's, you know, that's a blunt instrument. Who does an attorney serve, the client or the law? You know, as the lawyer, I want to say that, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a moral agent, too. Balancing the client's interests and the interests of justice. You know, you don't have a constitutional obligation to make sure that a murderer has a getaway car. Our guest is David Lubin, author of Legal Ethics and Human Dignity. You know, we could just do a trial by divination or trial by throwing horoscopes, but we got a procedure for finding out the truth, and we're not going to certify it as truth until it goes through that procedure. Legal Ethics. Coming up on Philosophy Talk after the news. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of 91.7 KALW Loco and Innovative Public Radio for San Francisco. Uh, continuing conversations that begin at that innovative little corner on the Stanford campus, Philosopher's Corner. And from that oasis of thought, we migrate to this oasis of the air and from the air to the internet via our blog, the blog.philosophytalk.org, where my pal and colleague John Perry's already started the conversation. And in the future, soon, we're going to also migrate to a podcast where you'll be able to download the past, present, and future, all the archives of Philosophy Talk very soon, right? Yeah, now. very soon, Ken. Hopefully soon enough that the podcast hasn't become a technology well, of the past. What's our problem here? Lawyers, yeah, lawyers, lawyers. They keep trying to dot the I's and cross the T's. They're trying to get this agreement, folks, but it's coming soon. But speaking of lawyers, our topic today, legal ethics. John, some people think that lawyers are the most ethically challenged professionals there are. What, what do you think? Well, let's let's uh, agree. No lawyer jokes for the next hour, right? Well, few lawyer jokes. Uh, I mean, I was raised in a house full of lawyers. Father lawyer, uncle lawyer, grandfather lawyer. Most of my cousins are lawyers. I really admire lawyers. I think lawyers do something necessary for the public good. If you're going to live in a nation of laws, you've got to have lawyers to help you face those laws. And most lawyers, I think, are perfectly honest. They have a code of legal ethics. But sometimes lawyers seem to do things in their role as lawyers that are pretty morally onerous. Well, yeah. Take uh, uh, a rape trial. The, 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 uh, the accusers on the stand. The victims on the stand, and the defense attorney goes at her like crazy. This is not a pleasant thing to behold. Now, suppose that your wife or daughter or just a female friend of yours were raped, and you, just as an ordinary person, questioned her like that. What were you doing in that bar? What were you doing wearing that that dress? Weren't you asking for it? Tell me about your... I mean, that would be morally repugnant for you or me or anybody else to do that. Why is it okay for a lawyer to do it? Well, in, in my layman's mind, there's two kind of questions that come up about that. One is, what, what, is, what does the code of ethics say? Can a lawyer engage in that kind of behavior if they know that their client is guilty? Do, are they under any requirement to kind of find out if their their client is guilty? Can they just suspend belief? Could a lawyer refuse to engage in that kind of conduct? So what's legal ethics require and what does morality require? Right, right. So even, But, okay, so those are interesting questions. What is within the bounds of the, the, the lawyer's legal duties and how far can the 
lawyer go and does a lawyer have an obligation to truth? But suppose it's within the bounds of a lawyer's legal duties to zealously defend in that way this accused rapist. I mean, it's still morally problematic, isn't it? It's deeply morally problematic, at least morally fraught. Well, it seems kind of weird. If, if I had gone down and broken Robert Blake out of jail, that, that would have been pretty bad, right? But... Uh, his lawyer breaks him out of jail, assuming here that Robert Blake was probably guilty. Yeah. Uh, why, why isn't that as bad? It's a good question, you know, and it, it was nice to have a lawyer who actually deals with these things on the ground to talk to us about this. And our roving philosophical reporter, Zoe Corneli, found just such a lawyer. She files this report. A real-life courtroom can be a messy place, and few people know that better than Santa Clara law professor Cookie Rodolfi. Years ago, as a public defender, I represented a man charged in a rape case, and it was, um, you know, a pretty brutal case. Um, and, you know, he told me he was innocent, and, you know, I set out to try the case and did try the case before a jury. Rodolfi was a public defender. Her job was to defend her client to the greatest extent permitted by the law. The client was accused of viciously raping and beating a woman who had been his dance partner at an adult club. He claimed the woman had invited him home for sex, and her husband was the one who beat her when he found the two of them together. And it was a really highly contested case, and you know, uh, lots of feelings were running in all directions around this case, and ultimately he was acquitted. Rodolfi says she did her best to argue her client's case, and the jurors found it convincing. After the trial, the juror said to me, a woman juror came up to me and she said, um, you know, I know that a woman like you would never have defended him uh, if he was uh, he were guilty. But within a few months, the defendant was arrested and convicted in two rape cases very similar to the one Rodolfi had tried. And so that juror's comment came back and haunted me uh, because I realized that, in fact, by the mere fact of my gender and probably her perception of me as a feminist, you know, in her mind, I was a witness for this defendant. Rodolfi stopped defending rape cases after this experience. But she says she still believes the public defender plays an important role. I don't want anybody to think that uh, I wouldn't represent a man charged with rape because they're usually guilty and uh, I can't bring myself to do something like that. Um, I don't say that they're usually guilty. I think that there have to be good lawyers to represent people wrongfully charged, especially if somebody uh, charged with something as serious as rape. She says the real problem in our system is not letting people off who are actually guilty, but incarcerating people who are innocent. Ethically, if we punish someone who's not guilty, then we're taking an, a, a, you know, an affirmative act uh, and depriving somebody of you know, their liberty and maybe their life. Um, in the other situation, if we don't punish someone or, or you know, lock someone up who's a danger to society, um, you know, I don't think we're doing as much damage. Professor Rodolfi now spends her time helping people who claim they've been wrongfully convicted. There is a huge problem of wrongful conviction in this country. I, I, this is the work that I do. I see it all the time. Um, there are many more people wrongfully convicted than any one of us want to imagine. And a lot of what goes into wrongful conviction, I think, is um, certain expectations and biases and presumptions that if a person is charged with a crime, they're probably guilty. For lawyers and jurors in the courtroom, Rodolfi says it's often difficult to know what's right. You can you know, get philosophical about this um, and we can chat about this for weeks and weeks, which I know that there are scholars and books and articles written on these very issues. But, you know, the bottom line is we're not going to know <laughs> what the, whether the person, you know, 
whether we've released a guilty person and whether we've jailed an innocent person. You know, we're not going to know that for sure, so we want to have a system that's going to do the best job that it can uh, at coming to the right result. In the end, she believes, despite its flaws, the adversarial system is still the best model we've got. It's not a perfect system. It never will be a perfect system. Um, you know, until we have machines where you can put a person in and somehow, you know, the truth, you know, comes out the other end. But we don't have that, and we never will have that. We have trials, and we have verdicts. So, you know, we have to hope that they're right most of the time. And, um, but there are errors, and there will always be errors. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Zoe Corneli. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.